Will you please turn in your Bibles to James chapter 1, James 1. We'll be looking at James chapter 1 together. We want everybody to be able to do that with us. So the guys have some Bibles. They're going to make their way down the aisles. If you need a Bible, just get their attention and they'll get one of those to you. And that is our gift to you. We want you to have that because we want everyone to own a copy of God's Word. We are continuing our series begun a few weeks ago through the book of James. The title of the series is on the screen behind me, Real Faith, because the five chapters of the book of James contain a number of tests as to whether or not our faith, and the word in the New Testament that is translated faith is the same word for belief. So God has a number of tests of what we claim to believe and whether or not we genuinely, really, honestly believe those things. And we are in chapter 1, having looked at the first test, and that is our reaction to the trials, the adverse circumstances that God allows to come into our lives. Today we'll be looking at James chapter 1. We'll be reading verse 19 in just a bit. The average person today receives more information on a daily basis than the average person received in a lifetime a hundred years ago. The average consumer will see or hear one million marketing messages. That's almost 3,000 each day. The average worker sends and receives 190 messages per day. Using the analogy of an 85-page newspaper, researchers found that 25 years ago, we received around 40 newspapers full of information every day But that's rocketed to 174 each day, 25 years later. 25 years ago, we sent out mostly by post or telephone and fax the equivalent of around two and a half pages of newspaper each day. This has now increased to six newspapers thanks to email, digital photography, Twitter, and social network sites. The vast majority of the messages with which we're confronted do not come from people who've done anything to deserve our attention. They've simply imposed themselves on us by appearing on a billboard or a commercial or a pop-up or whatever. Most of us don't consciously pay attention to the vast majority of this information, but the subconscious mind takes in much more than we realize. Nearly 3,000 years ago, Solomon warned us in the book of Ecclesiastes of the need to filter what we give heed to. He said in the last chapter of that book, the words of the wise are like goads. Their collected sayings are like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. And then he said, be warned, my son, of anything in addition to to them. Of the making of many books, there is no end. The proliferation of messages in our day makes the wise counsel of Solomon all the more necessary for us. Friends, we would be wise to limit our exposure to only those who have earned the right to speak, those who we can trust. And so a guy yelling at you through the radio 
or the louder volume for the TV commercials, or the pop-up on your screen, or the movie that's being marketed, or the billboard on the side of the bus, or the t-shirt that somebody's wearing. None of these deserve your attention simply because they're there. We must be selective in our choices of who can speak and command our attention. I would recommend that you seek to limit your exposure to those whom you know you can trust and therefore who have earned the right to speak. Verses 2 through 12 of James chapter 1 tell us that God allows adverse circumstances in our lives, but that He does so always for good ends. And in response to the accusation as we saw last week, that when I or when you sin in response to the circumstance, it's not a reflection on Him, but rather it's a reflection on us. Because verse verse 13 tells us that God is immune to evil and He desires it for no one. But rather, as we saw last week, verse 14, each one is tempted when of his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Evil desire and opportunity mate to, according to verse 15, produce a hideous offspring, ultimately death. And in contrast to that, far from intending evil for us, verses 17 and 18 that we saw last week say this. Please take a look with me. Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all He created. God gives only good gifts. As seen, verse 17, in creation itself. And then in verse 18, in the recreations that He has made and is making of us. And so while evil desire and opportunity come together to produce death, the new heart that He gives, according to verse 18, when mated to the gospel message, the word of truth, produces life from the hand of this good God. And so God has shown Himself to be eminently worthy of your trust. And because what he speaks, when he speaks, it's one of his good gifts that produces good ends. And therefore, we can trust him and should give our attention to him. And that's why verse 19 says this. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. And the question is, listen to what or to whom? Well, it's listen to, at the end of verse 18, the word of truth by which he has given you life. Because he has given you life through this word of truth, because this is the ultimate good gift, and God is the giver of only good gifts, therefore, take note of this, be quick to listen to what he tells us in the word of God. And so we're going to look at God's word together. And friends, we desperately need to listen. And so let's ask God to help us. 
Father, again, we thank you for making yourself known. We thank you for making yourself known in the pages of Holy Scripture. We thank you for giving us the Word of God. Well, Lord, we thank you for the great privilege of having a copy of Scripture in front of everyone who is here so that we can hear you speak. But, Lord, we are often less than attentive. Help us to give our ear to what you say. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. We've included an outline for you in the uh, program that you received on the way in. I encourage you to take a look at that. Where I say that this passage teaches us, first of all, that believers are to cultivate an attentiveness to God. We're to cultivate an attentiveness to God. Verse 19, my dear brothers. And so that's why I say believers are to do this. Because those who are addressed here are those who are in the family of God and thus can be addressed as brothers and by extension, sisters. And then we are told, take note of this, a command to give your attention now to this. Now, the way that phrase is written in Greek, the language that your New Testament was originally written in, that can be either a command or simply a statement of fact. And so it could be, Knowing this, or in light of this, in light of what? In light of the fact that He has given us life, new birth, through the word of truth. In light of that now, this is what you should do. Every one of you should be quick to listen. Either way. It's based upon a truth that has just been described in verse 18. And because of that truth, action must be taken. And that's why I say in your outline, believers cultivate attentiveness first of all, to God. So when verse 18 says He gave us new birth, it's saying He gave us life. And that in turn made us attentive to the word of truth. And as a result, we've been radically changed. We are a kind of first fruits of all He created. End of verse 18. But in order for us to receive that word of truth, He had to first give us life. God gave us life by His Spirit so that the truth resonated in our hearts and triggered the response of belief when we heard the good news of the gospel message. And so this is the means now in verses 19 and following of us moving from the new birth that we've been given in verse 18 to now living a new life. The old nature, which we still have with us even as believers, according to verses 14 and 15. The old nature is in conflict with this new nature that's been imparted by the Word of God, the Word of truth. But hear this, friends. This is not an equal battle for the believer between the old nature and the new nature. God provides every good and perfect gift, and He makes the good gift of His Word available. Hear this, not only at the beginning of the Christian life, but also in an ongoing way. So having now been made alive by the Word, we are to be quick to listen to it. The same pattern goes on throughout the Christian life. We have been given the Spirit. We have been given this new life. And as a result, we accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. Peter speaks of this life that has come to us 
by virtue of the Word of God in 1 Peter chapter 1. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God. Now, in an ongoing way, because you've been given this, this new life, being born again, being regenerated, because that's true, in an ongoing way, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And so the Lord gives us new life, an inward change that results in a desire for the things of the Lord, in particular the Word of the Lord. This is in partial fulfillment of what God said through his prophet Jeremiah, I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts so that now they have an internal desire for what I, their God, have to say. And so by hearing the life-giving word, now hear this, the energies of the new nature are stimulated to act. And therefore, we must be quick to listen. But if I'm going to be quick to listen, quick means ready, eager to listen to the Word of God by which I have been given life. If that's going to happen, I have to be dialed in. I have to be tuned in to the Word of God. I have an iPhone, and the features on my iPhone, I, only, I don't know how to use surely half of them. But it has an iPod on it as well. And so I've got a gadget that I can plug into my iPhone, turn on the iPod, and I can hear whatever I want on my iPod through the stereo in my car. But in order for that thing to work, I have to set a particular frequency and then set the radio to that frequency. So in order for me to hear what's on the iPod, I have to be dialed in. I have to be tuned in. And in this sense, God is the broadcaster. God is the speaker. And we're the radio. But in order for us to hear what he says, we must be dialed in. We must be on the right dial. And hear this, friends. God is not creating, when he gives us his word, he's not creating a sort of MP3 when he, when he speaks. That you just record and then can regurgitate back. Rather, he's transmitting his living message to you who claim to know him and thus be spiritually alive. And that message then is to be lived out. Now the question then becomes, why are some evidently very eager and ready and dialed in and tuned in to hear and others not so much? Now, let's get this out of the way right now. It might be because the preacher they hear every week is just not listenable. I have no idea what the guy's saying. He rambles. He cannot keep my interest. If that's the deal, and I mean this, if that's the deal for you, then I, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, I want you to every week be exposed to the teaching of the Word of God. And I want no obstacles to that. And if I am an obstacle to anyone here in hearing the word of God, I will personally, and I don't mean this with any animus, I will gladly 
help you find a Bible-believing church where you can give heed to the Word of God without obstacle. So that's one possibility. That, I just can't listen to you. Let's get that fixed this week. But assuming it's not poor preaching, then what is it? Jesus told a parable that many of you are familiar with. And he said, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? The farmer sows the word. And some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown in rocky places, hear the word at once, receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Thirty, sixty, or even a hundred times what was sown. It's a matter of what kind of soil is the heart into which is being sown the Word of God. And it is a sobering question for each of us to ask, what kind of soil represents my heart? A desire to hear and obey the Word is an indication of spiritual life. Now, the converse is true, right? A lack of desire to hear and obey the Word is an indication of a lack of spiritual life. So here we are. You say, I'm clearly good because I'm here. In fact, I'm here every week. But being here doesn't mean you're really here right? Friend, every week you could sit in one of these seats and you could hear superficially the Word of God and it never take root in your heart. The Bible says, the man without the Spirit does not accept, does not receive, does not welcome the things that come from the Spirit of God. So James says God is eminently trustworthy. 
When he speaks, therefore, give full attention to him. Be eager, ready, willing, desirous to hear what he has to say and to put it into into practice. So if that's the case, and we want to be that, then you would expect perhaps James to say, so here's what you should do. Start a Bible reading program. But he doesn't say that. And the reason he does not say that is that there is very little point in having a method to reading the Bible if we do not bring the right spirit to our reading. It is possible to be faithful in regular Bible reading, but to achieve no more than to have advanced forwarded the bookmark. The words read, but not truly heard, and therefore not heeded. We can come to church and sing, Speak, O Lord, and show us Christ, and hear nothing from God, because we have not prepared to listen. So what should I do? If I find myself in that situation, I find myself spiritually dull, and I have been for some time, but God is moving in my heart as I'm convicted about that. What should I do? James has told us in verse 5, has he not? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. We're going to stop and then continue on in our message. We're going to stop now. And for anyone here who is convicted by a spiritual dullness that simply goes through the routine, I want to encourage you to ask of God to apply. That's what wisdom is, isn't it? Applied knowledge. Apply what I know. What I know is God is trustworthy. God has spoken. He speaks in His Word. This is a good gift to me. I need it every moment of every day in my life. Therefore, Lord, help me to apply what I know and claim to believe. Let's bow together. Our Father, We thank you for the conviction of your word, which is always for good purposes. You have given us scripture, and it is useful for teaching. And having been taught, it rebukes us. But having been rebuked, you don't leave us there. But your word corrects us and trains us in righteousness so that we can be equipped for every good work. Oh, our good God, who has spoken in scripture, May your spirit move upon the hearts of your people, making us eager listeners, not just hearing superficially, but hearing with a ready mind, ready to obey what our God has said. We need this gift from you, and we are asking for this wisdom from you, and we trust your promise to grant when we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. He made you receptive to the gospel of salvation. And therefore, in an ongoing way, we should each be tuned in to the gospel of sanctification. The word of God resonates with those who are spiritually alive. And when the note of truth is sounded, the believer responds with the song of obedience. Believers develop attentiveness to God. They cultivate attentiveness to God. But notice secondly in your outline, 
believers develop attentiveness to others. Because verse 19 says, everyone should be quick to listen. In context, connected with verse 18, quick to listen to the word of God. But then it says slow to speak. Now when it says slow to speak, of course we speak to God in prayer. But prayer doesn't fit the context here. We, we listen to God, and because we listen to God and we revere what God has to say as preeminent beyond what anybody else has to say, including us, then we're slow to speak. Now, it doesn't mean you speak slow. This is not Reverend Jim's driving test. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The old taxi show? Reverend Jim goes into the Department of Motor Vehicles. He's going to take his driving test. And he can't figure out answers to any of the questions. And his friends are sitting about 15 feet away. They're trying to mouth answers to him. And so he sees one of the the questions is, what does yellow mean? And so he whispers over to his friends, what does yellow mean? And they say, slow down. And he says, what does yellow mean? And they go through this routine for about 10 minutes. When God says slow to speak, he doesn't mean slow speech pattern. But rather, we are quick to listen to the Word of God. And as a result of that, we are slow to convey our own opinions and use our own mouths in the pride that keeps us very often from receiving the Word at all. Now, how do I know it's pride that does that? Take a look at the end of verse 21. Verse 21 says, Get rid of all moral filth, the evil that's so prevalent, and do this. Humbly accept the Word. Humbly receive humbly welcome, humbly accept the word of truth, that if you've come to God through Christ, has given you spiritual life, and now in an ongoing way, humbly accept the truth that he has given. But that humility is absolutely necessary in order for us to listen, and then in turn for us to be very careful before we open our mouths to pontificate you ever met people who just know everything? They have something to say about everything. Far from being slow to speak, they have an opinion about everything. They're doing it wrong. They should do it this way. And guys, I got to tell you, I've got to tell you men, males, me, I have seen this in my observation more with men that we have the habit to think we know how the world works and everybody else is entitled to our opinion and we are quick to speak and let everybody know. You show me a man who loves his own opinion and I will show you an arrogant man. Show me an arrogant man or woman and I'll show you an unspiritual man or woman. This message that we receive from God, that we are eager and ready to hear and appropriate, put into practice, gives us a a disquieting attitude. We need to hear from God, 
people don't need to hear from us. And that message that we receive is to be lived out in relationships. Those with broken radios or who are on the wrong frequency, hear this. They don't want to be with people who talk about the broadcast. Have you ever found that? God's doing His broadcast. People who are eager to hear it like to talk about it. But people who are not tuned to God don't want to be around those kind of people. And so, do I really need friends, Christian friends? Yep. God says so over and over again that you need the accountability and the iron sharpening and the support of the family of God. And if you don't want to be around those kind of people, friends, that is an indication of a deep spiritual problem. And because our vertical relationship with God always has effects on our horizontal relationship with others, James says in verse 19, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Slow to speak. I say in your outline, we, we are to speak only truth. Only truth. And so we are deliberate, careful in what we say. Careful to make sure that what we say, the opinions that we harbor, are in line only with truth. If they're not known to be absolutely true, no need for me to say them. Speaking truth about what? About our circumstances. Remember, circumstances are the subject of verses 2 through 12. And so about these circumstances, often adverse, how we speak about those will be deliberate, careful to make sure that what we say is in line with what God has taught. Or be careful to speak only truth about anyone or anything. The Bible tells us that we speak the truth, but I say secondly in your outline, we speak only truth and we're to speak only truth in love. That's why that third phrase in verse 19 says, slow to speak and slow to become angry. In line with what Scripture tells us, speak the truth in love. Slow to speak, slow to become angry. And why? Because verse 20 tells us that man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Our anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires for us, nor for those to whom we speak, if it's done in anger. And so we speak not in anger, we speak only in love. Now let me just say quickly, there is such a thing as righteous anger, righteous indignation. Jesus showed it when he cleansed the temple. We find it in the Old Testament with what are called imprecatory psalms. Anger at how God's name is being besmirched and asking God to take care of his, of his enemies. There is such a thing as righteous anger. But even righteous anger must always be filtered through love. And love is doing what's in the best interest of another. And that is why Ephesians tells us, In your anger, do not sin. And the word for anger in verse 20 is the word used in the New Testament for a slow burn. 
not a sudden outburst. There's a second Greek word that's translated anger that means a sudden outburst of anger. This is the slow burn, which means you can be angry without saying much. You can be an angry man or woman. And perhaps you're an introvert. And you don't, you're not accustomed to speaking all the time. That's not your personality. It doesn't mean you're any less angry. You're harboring bitterness or resentment. So one who is quiet is not necessarily one who's spiritually attuned. We may hold it in due to personality or propriety, but eventually it comes out. Now hear this, friends. Many of you have heard me say this over the years, but expectations minus reality equals trouble. And often that trouble takes the form of anger. What's the formula? Expectations minus reality. That is, in my pride... In my presumption, I say, I determine things ought to be a particular way. I expect them to be a particular way. Expectations. But then I compare that to the reality, and there is always a gap, isn't there? It may be a huge gap. Things may may be nowhere close to what I expect them to be or what I want them to be. But a humble person will say, God wills it, and I accept what He has given But the one who is prideful will say it must be that way. Burn with anger and eventually that anger overflows. What's the antidote? What's the answer to that? The risk of sounding simplistic, it's the Lord Jesus. How does the gospel keep me, keep you from being angry because things are not the way they're supposed to be in my mind. (laughs) Well, here's how. Here's what the good news says. The good news says that there is first bad news. The bad news is that there's an eternal judgment for those outside of the ark of safety of Jesus Christ. And none of you are there. So you, now get this, you and I, by virtue of being in this room and breathing, have already received better than we deserve. Am I right? So the gospel tells me I don't complain about my circumstances. Far from it. I give thanks in everything and for everything. Scripture teaches us. Christ is the antidote to the pride and the arrogance that says it should be this way. I expect it to be this way. And when it is not, my anger will burn and finally come out. Believers cultivate an attentiveness to God. They develop an attentiveness in our relationships with others that flows from this attentiveness to God. And then lastly in your outline, believers discontinue attentiveness to sin. Verse 21, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. And we may get the idea when we look at that is, all right, if I put this stuff away, then I can hear the, then I'll hear the word of God. There's a sense in which that is true. The verse is telling us 
that sin is an obstacle to our ability to, to hear God. But understand, I only know what sin is by virtue of hearing God. God has told me what sin is. God's Spirit convicts me of that sin. So I need the Word of God in order to be motivated to put it away, put away the sin. But then being motivated by the teaching of the Word of God and the activity of the Spirit of God, we indeed put away the moral filth and the prevalent evil. Now what is that? Moral filth, prevalent evil. James is using the word for, for filth. It refers really to a changing of, of garments that are, that are soiled, metaphorically soiled by sin, and those need to be discarded. So all of that which is obviously sin in our lives needs to be discarded. But then we could look at that and we could say, all right, I've given up smoking and chewing and running with those who do. All the obvious sorts of stuff that I shouldn't be doing and I know I shouldn't be engaged in. And I could still be a, an absolute bevy of sin, a cauldron of sin. And that's why James adds, it's not just the moral filth, but it's the evil that is so prevalent. James is giving no room for us to say, I've arrived. The evil is both in us and then it is external to us as we display our hearts in the filthy words and actions in which we engage. And all of this is centered upon the appropriation of the Word of God. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and I consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. And James says, you know how much you need the word? You need the word to the extent that sin is prevalent. And how prevalent is sin? Ubiquitous. All around you and in you. And James says the, the answer to that is the appropriation, the hearing and the doing of God's Word. Oh, dear friends, I pledge to you that by God's grace, for the years that He gives me to shepherd this church, I will do my level best every Lord's Day to give to you the Word of God. I make that pledge before, to you and before God. But it will do us no good if we don't come as ready receivers, eager receivers. May this be a church of people who come and say, Oh Lord, speak. Oh Lord, I want to hear and oh Lord, I want to practice what you tell me.
That means asking God for the wisdom, as we've already said. And it means in practice making sure you're around when the Word of God is given. But not just around, ready. Alert. Not looking for some reason to not be around the people of God and the Word of God. And the truth is, some of you do that. Any excuse that I can have not to be under the sound of the Word of God is a good enough excuse. And I'm telling you, dear friend, that's an indication of a deep spiritual problem. We're going to bow and pray in just a moment. As we do, I encourage you to examine whether or not spiritual life is evident in you. That spiritual life is evidenced by a desire for the pure milk of the Word of God. That those who have been given new life want and desire. And if you've never received that spiritual life and you're realizing that even though you've played church for months, perhaps years, maybe your whole life, Jesus in His grace offers you life. You can bow your head and your heart before Him and say, Lord, I recognize that I've been going through the motions, a superficial hearer, an MP3 that can play it back, but not a receiver that is taking it in. If that's the case with you, bow before the Lord Jesus Christ. Believing friends, If you see signs of spiritual life, thank God for that. But perhaps you've grown cold on the Lord. and You haven't desired His Word. As the Bible tells us, we must, if we are going to engage in this battle with ever-prevalent sin. We ask God for wisdom. He promises to give that wisdom. Let's bow together. Thank you again, our Father, for your word. Lord, my great, one of my greatest fears is to have people in this flock who don't know Jesus. Who look the part and who know the part and know the words. But it's simply a tape recording, an MP3. It is not taken root in the heart. There's little desire, no desire for spiritual things. Oh, Holy Spirit, do the work that only you can do. I cannot force this. I admit, I sometimes get angry. And then I'm rebuked by your word. Man's anger does not produce the righteous life that God desires. My anger cannot produce that. Nothing external to the heart other than the Spirit of God can produce that fertile soil on which the seed of the word falls. Holy Spirit, do your work in the hearts of people. We ask you in this moment. And for those of us who have come to you, and for whom there are indications of spiritual life, O Lord, forgive us of our dullness and our lack of readiness and eagerness to hear. Help us, Lord, to confess that all over this room so that we will come next Lord's Day And in between each Lord's Day, we will devour your word, knowing that we need it desperately in order to live the kind of life that's pleasing to our God. 
We pray all of this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.